can't do that, Schulte. You just can't. Your players love you now, but you'll lose them in a heartbeat if you keep managing baseball games like that. Good morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And the newly reborn DK Sports Radio. You can hear this show, Daily Shot, every Monday through Friday, bright and early. I'm floored by the managing in this loss that the Pirates had uh, very early this morning. I was about to say last night. Very early this morning, as a matter of fact, at PNC Park, 6-5 to five in 11 innings. Awful, ugly loss made that much more ominous by more of the same really passive managing that I witnessed in covering the opening series in St. Louis. And it's a concern. I'm not suggesting that the manager is solely to blame. That's weird stuff, okay? But this is what I'm focusing on right now after this one. Because you have to be aggressive for your players to have your back. They have to know that you're doing everything that you can to win the game. When you enter a ninth inning with a 5-1 lead and you have a player who's hitting the cover off the ball and Colin Moran put two balls well over the Clemente wall, one of them into the Allegheny River, and you have Chad Cool come back from two years off due to Tommy John surgery and pitch the excellent relief that he did, you have a responsibility to do everything that you can to win that game. You have to act like the game matters. I Look, I get the evaluation thing. I get what Ben Charrington is saying about You know, we need to see guys in tough situations. We need to learn. You know who you don't need to learn about? Michael Feliz. You don't have things to find out about Michael Feliz. He's not a kid. He's not a prospect. There's no reason to send him out to that mound and let him die out there. And that's what happened. He stayed in there batter after batter after batter. It took forever just to get Kyle Crick up in the bullpen. That floored me more than anything of all the things that floored me. How long it took Crick to get up in the pen. I don't understand that. I don't understand that kind of thinking. I don't know if it's an American League thing where you just don't ever do anything. Maybe it is. I don't watch enough American League ball and never have in my entire life and don't care to. But this isn't how it's done in the National League, even with a DH. And this most certainly isn't how it's done when the Pirates have put together what should have been an extremely uplifting win for them. The kind of thing that can springboard a lot of good things, including a lot of positive development and maturation for individuals. Which is all part of the process. Again, I get that. I get that that stuff matters. I get that the 2020 Pirates aren't going to win the World Series. 
So I'm not being an idiot here. I'm not suggesting that they lost Game 7 of the NLCS last night. I am suggesting that it's a pretty big concern that the manager can be that passive in that situation. You can't just sit there at the top step of the dugout and watch Michael Feliz die out there. He had no command, really didn't have much zip. The slider that he showed in St. Louis was nothing special. Who else should you have had there? I don't know. Have Crick up earlier. Not Crick wasn't great either. Crick did get to two strikes on Ryan Braun before Braun hit the two-run double that tied the game. But I'm liking Crick's chances better than Feliz's. I'm liking... Ooh. You know, you can say that Nick Birdie and some of the other younger guys who pitched over the weekend in St. Louis were unavailable, but I'd have a hard time buying it. I'm sorry Nick Birdie threw 11 pitches. 11 pitches. If you bring in Nick Birdie to throw three or four pitches to Ryan Braun, the Pirates are feeling great. Everyone's feeling great. That matters. That's worth something. One batter, finish the inning. And remember, that is the rule now. You don't have to stay in to face three batters if you finish the inning, especially if you end the game. This was awful. And again, you can live with it. If it's, you know, Michael Felice stinks and he lost the game, big deal. No surprises on either count. But when you can't live with it is when you see that the manager is apparently just really comfortable with watching it all play out. Hmm, let's see how this goes. I'm not interested in that. I got news for you. I like the plan. I believe in the plan. But I feel very, very strongly that that plan needs to involve pushing the right buttons to win the game. There are only 60 of these things in 2020. Win the games. That'll matter a lot toward how these players fare collectively and individually and how they grow and get better. Watching Michael Feliz die on the mound in the ninth inning doesn't advance any cause, collectively or individually. I don't, I don't know whether or not Shelton will pick up any messages from this? I, I strongly suspect, based on his defiance on some things that he did over the weekend in St. Louis that were a little bit questionable, that he's going to stay pretty stubborn. When he was asked about uh, his changing lineups out at Bush Stadium while the Cardinals rolled out the same guys basically three days in a row, because, you know, they just had four months off, uh, he was pretty animated in defending himself and saying, look, Don Kelly and I made these lineups in advance and we're sticking by them. I told you guys beforehand I'm scripting. This is, well, there's a time to not stick to the script. There's a time a manager has to go past uh, whatever's best for seeing so-and-so or testing so-and-so or observing this or that or trying this or that. Win the game! 
win that game. This team doesn't have 20 or 25 games to get its feet wet. This team can be dead in the water in two weeks. And to keep repeating this, no, I'm not saying this as if they're going to contend or whatever. I'm saying this as if the more games that you play, this is right out of Charrington's mouth on Sunday. The more games the Pirates play in 2020 that matter, that are important, the better off they'll all be. The better off everyone in the organization will be because they'll be playing higher stakes baseball. The way to make sure that your games matter is to win them. Win them. Try to win them. I I wouldn't even bury him for the selection of Feliz to open the ninth inning. Feliz had a really good one-inning outing the day before out at Bush Stadium, and I wrote that from St. Louis. Gave him credit. Had a really good slider. Got people out. One, two, three. That was that. But you don't just leave him out there. You don't do that. You don't just say, whatever. Go get him, Michael, or let's see what Michael's got. And you don't wait until four batters in to get Kyle Crick up in the pen. You can't do that. You can't do that under any circumstance, under any scenario. Building, rebuilding, observing, watching, learning, whatever it is, you can't do that. You'll lose your players. And if you lose your players from a win-loss standpoint, you're going to lose them from the instructional and development standpoint as well. This was lousy. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I I hope everything that I'm saying here is a gross overreaction, a great misread on my part. I hope I'm wrong. It's impossible to not like Derek Shelton. It's impossible to not respect his background as a baseball man, how hard he's worked to become a manager. But it's impossible to look at how passive he's been through a lot of these first four games and find encouragement in that. I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry. I'm just not. When we come back, I'm going to take some swings at another manager, also in the league for very different reasons. back as long as i'm in a pretty foul and spirited slash animated mood here i'm going to deflect some of the venom that i sent toward Derek shelton's decision making monday night and say that it was at least a lot better than don mattingly's decision making for the marlins over this past weekend I mean, wow. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in western Pennsylvania are food insecure, including one in five children. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be a scary thought, and now during the pandemic, the need for food is that much greater. If you are in need of food assistance or if you'd like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank's mission of feeding people in need, and eliminating hunger in our region, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell out those first three words, Pittsburgh 
foodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. The panic set in yesterday when several of the Miami Marlins tested positive for coronavirus. A couple of games got canceled right off the bat. second one will be canceled today. Uh, both of those in a mini-series between the Marlins and the Orioles that was supposed to happen down at Marlins Park. Obviously, it wasn't going to. The Orioles turned around and flew home. This happened in Philadelphia. It, presumably, anyway. You never know where someone gets infected or how long it's latent in them asymptomatic and everything else. But the Marlins were in Philadelphia, so it's a reasonable suspicion. So that, of course, prompted the Phillies and then the Yankees in turn and cleaning up Citizens Bank Park and everything else that goes into something like this. And that instantly set off across the country. That's it. Baseball's done. Baseball's canceled. Baseball's over. Baseball's done. Uh, The baseball owners who had a regularly scheduled meeting yesterday afternoon, and it really was regularly scheduled, the first thing that came out of it, according to sources, they didn't discuss canceling the season. Of course they didn't. This had been something that was plotted, planned, and known all along and discussed openly to anyone who was paying attention that there were going to be problems. There was a chance that there was going to be an outbreak, and this qualifies as an outbreak. There's enough people, 14 in all, including staffers and so forth, that this is definitely an outbreak. And it's a concern. It's a worry. It wasn't going to shut down the season. They knew about this, and they were ready to react to it. Did Major League Baseball handle this thing perfectly? No. Did Major League Baseball, and really the Major League Baseball Players Association, err by trying to have a regular schedule, something I've discussed a lot, Absolutely. That one is primarily on the players. They didn't want to go into a bubble. They made that clear. A lot of them were going to opt out, and there wasn't going to be much of a season at all. They weren't ready to make that sacrifice that we've seen made by both the NHL and the NBA. Plus, it's a different circumstance. If you'd have done it, you'd had to do it almost certainly in Florida, Texas, or Arizona. Wow, would you not be holding any kind of bubble tournament in those three states right now. The NBA is pulling it off because their bubble is really a bubble. It's like a biosphere there in Disney World. Baseball couldn't have pulled off a bubble. So the whole concept, needed to do a bubble, needed the, all this criticism and consternation that I picked up on yesterday in my travels back from St. Louis, just checking my phone, looking through social media, reading some of the reports, everything was aimed at Baseball this, baseball that, Major League Baseball, Rob Manford. You know who didn't get criticized at all that I could find? The Marlins. Do you know that Don Mattingly knew he had infected players, players that were exposed? And his response to reporters when this came up was, well, we had a team meeting. We talked about it. Our team leadership felt that we should keep playing. Your team leadership, dude! Unless your team leadership has, like, Dr. Fauci at shortstop or whatever. You know, this is... 
the Marlins did something that was not just breaking the rules, not just breaking protocol, but was savagely irresponsible and unfair to the people that they took the field with on Philadelphia, not just the, in Philadelphia, not just the, the Phillies themselves, umpires, staffers, ball boys, equipment, all the people that are considered the tier one group, that's what it's known as in these stadium structures, everybody who's down there that comes in contact with them, grounds crew, you name it, who are near them, they're all at risk. But the Marlins team leadership thought that was okay. If Manfred's going to take any kind of hit in this, it'll be because he put into place protocols or procedures that weren't nearly strict enough as it relates to reporting. Meaning reporting when you think you have symptoms or when you have somebody who might have been exposed. The Pirates have a couple of really powerful cases in this regard. Maybe some of the most powerful in baseball in Gregory Polanco felt a couple weeks ago just the slightest little tickle in his throat. Didn't like it. He'd been warned, as all the pirates had, that if you feel something, even the tiniest bit of something, please let us know. Please don't come to the ballpark. He didn't. He called the pirates from home, told them what was going on. He never went to PNC Park. This was during summer camp. They sent someone out, did a test, found out he tested positive. Now, he didn't end up having any significant symptoms. didn't matter. He's carrying. He's a carrier. You can infect people around you who might be affected by it. That's the point. It's not whether or not he's okay. Glad he was, by the way. And after that, Shelton and Charrington both praised him like crazy, and, and they should have. This Gregory handled this exactly right. This is, this is the model for how you do this. And on top of that, Polanco went public with the fact that he was diagnosed because he, again, wanted to call attention to it, make people further aware. Good for him, good for the Pirates. They handled it right. Same thing, or, ah, not the same thing, but a similar thing is going on with Keone Kella, who, by the way, could have been used last night as well, meaning had he been available. His loss is pretty significant. Kella has maybe something that could be coronavirus, or then he had it, and then he doesn't have it, and even the people involved aren't all that sure. But you know what? You don't see him on the field, do you? You don't see him with the Pirates. You didn't see the Pirates call a team meeting or ask their team leaders whether they want the closer out there or not. This isn't the Astros. This isn't the the cheating scandal or anything. And you're not going to see a reaction like that. But if baseball doesn't find a way to come down very hard and very publicly on the Marlins in action, then baseball is jeopardizing not only the entire process of this season that they're trying to preserve, they're actually putting people at risk. You have to punish the Marlins. You have to punish them significantly and visibly so that it's understood you can't do this 
You, the manager, don't count when it comes to decisions like this. You, the team leader of the Marlins, the Marlins, don't have a right to decide people's health or potential health or safety because of some stupid Sunday afternoon game in Philadelphia. We'll see. If you want to come down on Major League Baseball or come down on Manfred, come down after you see what kind of action, if it's soft, against Miami management going all the way up to Derek Jeter. Because this was lousy. This was really lousy. And if people were paying closer attention to what baseball's actual protocols are and how well they've worked, they really have. Look at the testing numbers until the Marlins did this. then they're not understanding what's actually going on and what needs to be done for baseball to continue safely, which it can. Same thing with football. The bubble doesn't matter nearly as much as stupid, insane calls like the ones made by Mattingly and the Marlins leadership. Uh, this episode was no fun at all. Can we talk about something fun tomorrow? Can we do that? I'm going to give it a try. I promise. I won't do two in a row like this. What a day. What a day. Thanks for putting up with me. The Pirates Pod featuring Alex Stump and Noah Hiles will be up for you at 10 a.m. Thanks so much for listening to this and for tolerating me. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your bike. Your computer. Your window. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.